Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show, uh, the show you know that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And uh, welcome to our guest segment. And uh, if you're listening to us on KYH, this is our guest segment. If you're listening to us on YouTube and our other outlets, yeah, this is uh, you're hearing first time. And welcome, and we'll you'll hear this on uh, our podcast service, and you know, just it's everywhere. So we have a nice distribution thanks to you guys. This is an interview, though, you're going to want to take viral. We're going to be talking to Jamie Walden, and i got to tell you, uh, we talked this afternoon on the phone. It should have been the interview. <laughs> it was riveting, and it sent me feverishly to work on finding about all things Peru, New World Order, and so forth, and we're going to get into a lot of those things and more here on the Common Sense Show, but first got to pay a couple of bills. need to let you know that there's some people that keep the lights on for us, and let me just say this. People say, Dave, why do you sell gold? Why do you represent a gold company? Because if we go into a crisis, say like the coronavirus, whatever it would be, people are going to come out the other side and their bank accounts could be gone, their cash is gone. But if you've got precious metals behind you, you're going to come out much further ahead than other people. And diversification is the key. And the people at Noble Gold with a no obligation interview will say, okay, we understand your portfolio. This is what we recommend. And they are really good at doing what they're doing. They're doing work for yours truly. I stand by them. They're terrific. Give them a call. 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. Now, if the worst happens, and I don't know if you saw this in the news today. It was in the Military Times if in Stars and Stripes as well. The Supreme Commander of NATO came out and said, we're anticipating having to close some bases because of the coronavirus. And we know home confinements are happening over the planet, starting to happen in Italy. It's been going on in China for a while. If that happens, do you have the preps you need? Do you have the food and the water? Well, we can help you with both. We have restaurant quality food, and unlike other people selling food, we're not price gouging. We're offering nearly 40% off because we want to get people under the umbrella of safety. And uh, so we will never price gouge. Additionally, restaurant quality, and we can meet our demand needs right now. And a lot of our competitors are really falling weeks behind, and we're not. You'll get everything within a few days. How do you get yours? Preparewithdave.com. And if you have food, you better have water. And we have the Alexa Pure Pro filter. This is the best water filter out there, and the research is at the website, waterwithdave.com. And they, too, are not price gouging. They're offering 40% off. And I'll tell you, on the fourth or fifth day of a crisis, the Naval War College says waterborne illness has become the number one cause of death. This will save lives. So we have preparewithdave.com for the food, and we have waterwithdave.com for the water filtration. And get started now, folks, because have you seen the picture of the shelves in Italy? <laughs> Looks like a ghost town. Don't wait for the catastrophe to hit because it'll be too late. Waterwithdave.com, preparewithdave.com. Well, Jamie Walden is going to be appearing at Mike and Jeannie's conference here coming up, and I'm going to have him talk about that. And I asked him if he'd come on and kind of give a prelude for what he's going to do. Is but, but as we began to talk today, we had a fascinating discussion that centered around Peru. So I want to start with that, and I'm sure we'll branch out to other things. But Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show, and I'm, I'm aware of your background and service to your country and i want to say thank you for your service as well absolutely dave thanks for having me on it's a pleasure and an honor and 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 it was an honor to serve our country when i did and to serve my brothers in arms in the marine corps and 
And yeah, there's there's a lot of different things that we could get into today. A lot of areas we could go. I know there's much much to do and much to say about uh, COVID nineteen and all the underlying repercussions from it from a, uh, a globalistic perspective all the way down to the local and very personal level. Uh, there's legislative implications. There is uh, militaristic and geopolitical implications, and there's major, obviously, economic and future economic implications as you hear the rallying cries for uh, uh, the the removal of currency, of paper currencies all across the globe, which, you know, they've been setting stage for this for years, and, and especially now with the implementation of blockchain tech and uh, the, the different cryptocurrencies out there. So I think this in particular, more than anything else, is, is setting the stage for what they've been chomping at the bit to do, which is to implement a new centralized, you know, currency off of the special drawing rights coming down from the from the uh, the, the bastards in Basel, as they say in the IMF, and uh, and really putting a stranglehold on the globe and getting us one step closer to their uh, counterfeit utopic millennial reign, which we know will be uh, overseen and 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 uh, mandated by the by the man of perdition himself. Uh, but apart from that, we did cover a lot well, of well, Before you go on, though, to, Jamie, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you just for a second. I'm sorry, but you said something so important there. Um, say that last part again. The man of perdition. Oh, man. <laughs> the man of perdition. Yeah, well, the man of perdition, yeah. And, and not only the man of perdition, but, but more, uh, more uh, appropriate rendering is the man of lawlessness. So without yeah. rule of law. So what we have now is we actually have lawlessness abounding in any and every uh, aspect of a reality in this generation. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter if it's our high courts, the DOJ, they're without the rule of law, or if it's in our biology. Boys are girls, girls are boys, uh, chimeras are good to go, and everything under the sun uh, works. So so uh, there's no rules of law with, with what we're doing in the, in the biotech field, uh, in the nanotech field, in the plank tech field. And on and on it goes, uh, even up to including our churches and yes. our, our our Christian doctrine. Right? We've we've been forewarned that that the way of truth will come into disrepute, and people will not tolerate sound doctrine. That is lawlessness. So, so yeah, it's it, it's all interconnected, right? We we don't live in a vacuum, and we can't be myopic in our worldview when we're looking at these things. You have to go from the macro to the micro and everywhere in between and then touch on the multidimensional because it is yeah. all interconnected at the end of the day. Absolutely, absolutely correct. Wanted to let you know, I interviewed a gentleman named Ernie Hancock, hardcore activist, the owner of freedomsphoenix.com. I have a long history with Ernie. He's really good friends with Ron Paul, very tied in, but he said something when I interviewed him. He said, the taking the currency off the market, off the shelf in China, is the excuse using the coronavirus to usher in digital currency said the same thing you just said yep and that's that's why i've been watching it so closely you know i i i don't have some mega platform uh, uh where i'm out there speaking to the masses but but with those who do have ears to hear um you know i've been trying to paint a very clear picture and like i like to say i break it down barney style for him you know the the kids show the big purple dinosaur like let's break it down barney style <laughs> at the end of the day what they're what they're going to do? You look at what China already has going on with their social credit system and the implementation of their of their unbelievably profoundly advanced tech uh, tech stranglehold over the people, which has been implemented by by our tech companies, by the way, by our Silicon Valley, which Wuhan, on a side note, is the Silicon Valley of China. In case anybody didn't know, uh, but but what you see is is this is the big push. Whether or not okay, here's what I say at the end of the day. It doesn't matter 
it, it does. It matters to the people, but, it, but, but bear with me. It doesn't matter where this virus came from. It doesn't matter if we did it, which Russia and China are telling their citizens that this was a CIA op against them. That's what they're publishing in their mainstream news media. It doesn't matter if this was leaked. It doesn't matter if China did it on purpose for a bigger agenda and to ultimately collapse, create a cascade collapse of even our economy as, as a part of their part of their thousand talons and their and their long war, their bloodless war that they seek to wage about against the U.S. It doesn't matter what the source was. What matters is how they're going to use it regardless. This is exactly what they have been waiting for. And what the end game is, is a perfect storm for centralization, centralization, centralization. And it'll be on a global scale with all the countries of the world beginning to enter into it to, as if we weren't already, this increasingly hive mind type of perspective that we are all one body, a global collective, experiencing the same horrors, experiencing the same traumas, experiencing the same economic woes, right? And, and that the only way to, to shore up ourselves as a global community, as a collective, you're going to hear that word community, 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 is through uh, a greater centralization and the removal of, of anything that could potentially be a carrier and continue to spread this virus, which in particular to them would be the monetary system. So it's a perfect storm where you can collapse the second largest economy in the world, responsible for 20% of the output, and have a cascade effect globally. So at the same time as you're reducing the money and you have the fears, right, we see what's going on in the stock market and in the Nikkei and in these different markets around the world. As At, at the same time as you're doing that, you're also pointing to the paper currency in, people hand, in people's hands and saying, that's a carrier, get rid of it. Now is the time to roll out our new uh, uh, digital currency backed by blockchain technology is more secure. It's antiviral, to say the least. And, uh, and we need to rework the entire global economic system, and, di- and we're going to use this as a pretext for a reset. You just took the words out of my mouth and out of Ernie Hancock's mouth. I think you're right on the money. Well, what we talked about this afternoon, too, was the importance of Peru as it's shaping world events. And I'll just kind of leave it up to you to where you want to jump in on this. Sure. I mean, I mean, it's fascinating. I, I you know, we were just talking off air that, that I, I think that the work that I've been a part of and done, that I, I can be extremely myopic in my paradigm and in my, in my view, too, not connecting the dots. So after talking with you today, uh, you know, we were, we were bouncing things back and forth off of each other for a long time, not realizing that there was so much interconnectedness that I hadn't foreseen before. Uh, just to give some context to the conversation, um, well, I'll, I'll give some really basic context so, so people, your listeners that aren't familiar with me, uh, know who I am. But uh, I, I currently have a, uh, a full-time ministry called Omega Dynamics. You can find me at omegadynamics.org. But I had a long route to get to this point. I, I come from a uh, Marine Corps infantry background, doing some high-speed stuff there. I also worked... Uh, a stint in federal law enforcement, the U.S. Marshals. I worked as a uh, city police officer after that. It's also a paramedic and a tactical medic, a uh, paramedic specialist, so I worked in emergency medicine. I also became a full-time firefighter and was on a, a regional deployable tech rescue team. And as a part of that training, I was also trained at a at a hazardous material uh, response level as well. So, so I kind of have this very strange... A varied background across a wide stretch of disciplines, uh, but I, I actually left all that behind and went into full-time ministry. And my wife and I and three children moved to the Dominican Republic, 
and uh, we were full-time missionaries for the last couple of years. But on returning, I, I, I hooked up with uh, Tim Alberino and, and, um, and Gary Haven and uh, this really unique team of individuals, uh, some awesome people, and we went on expedition to Peru. This time last year, actually, exactly this time last year, uh, I was on my way down to Peru. And what we were doing on there was we were shooting a, uh, a, network, a network TV show. Uh, uh, it was a business endeavor that, that Tim and some others with, with Gary at the helm uh, had entered into with some production companies. And so we were, we were doing this pretty cool um, uh, running and gunning TV show network series where we were investigating uh, pre-flood history, antediluvian history, uh, a lot of the enigmatic things that, that all surround Peru and the, Addies, the Andes and the Atacama and down over into the Amazon. Anybody who's familiar with, with uh, Tim Alberino, he lived in the Amazon for 10 years, and he's, he's a prolific researcher, an amazing researcher on these things. So anyways, we were down there retracing a lot of this research, uh, dealing with the, this uh, 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 global collective of a pre-flood culture and civilization, humanoid in essence, elongated skulls and and, and attached to that is the, is the uh, deep underground superstructures that permeate much of Peru and the Andes and are actually uh, high index of suspicion connected, interconnected globally. Uh, so so, so we, we, we were investigating these things with the film crew, uh, different terrain, different things. There's there a lot of layers to what we were doing down there. And, and uh, anyways... Uh, Dave and myself today on talking started connecting some dot, dots to what we experienced down there in Peru. Uh, some of the, the, the walls that we ran into, the complications, and even the, the real-world threats that we ran into, and it, and, and it, and it coalesced with information that obviously uh, Dave has spearheaded in his research down there. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Let, let's get into some specifics. Um, the, shall we say, I don't know, what do you want to call them? The people or entities that live hidden existences, and there is kind of like guardians of the gate with locals, so you can't access them unless they want to be accessed. Can we talk about that? Sure. Yeah. There. Yeah. There is um, um, all throughout Indian culture, uh, primarily Peru. Uh, again, it, it's okay. Pe- people got to realize when you think of Peru. You can't look at it in its present context, and you can't even look at it through the lens of the Incan Empire. Listen, the Incan Empire was just the most recent empire, right? All, I mean, up into the into the 1530s when Pizarro went in and conquered them, right? And, and, and the Spaniards came in and, and started assimilating the Incans and, and totally gutting that, that, that um, culture down there. But there was multiple, multiple cultures that came long before the Incans, from the from the Paracans to the to the Nascans to the to the Wari and on back uh, to pre-flood, pre-flood, right? So that's why down there in Peru you have all these, all these radical, uh, this 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 global center of megalithic structures that to this day uh, uh, puzzle the scientists and the researchers as to how they could have possibly been created. You know, we spent time at Machu Picchu and Sacsayhuaman and Ajante Tambo and all these different areas down there. Uh, not to mention what you have with the geoglyphs and the petroglyphs, like Nazca lines, where they say there's no way they could have they could have possibly been created by human beings. They would have had to either be astral projecting, have some kind of aerial platforms, or understandings of sciences and technologies and physics that that we to this day can't even can't even comprehend. But what's more important is if you trace the oral traditions stemming from the Incan, they talk about uh, a 
a great ancient civilization of lo and behold giants, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed giants that had an understanding of technologies that go beyond anything that we can remotely fathom. To this day, the the shamans and the mystics, right, and, and kind of the, the leaders of the communities up in the high Andes from the cloud forest and down into the Amazon basin and over in the desert, uh, they, they speak of, of a race of non-human entities that actually rule and reign from inside the Andes Mountains, as in, as in what we would consider uh, 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 tinges of hollow earth and tinges of, of deep underground superstructures that are unknown, and that they come and go freely, that these are interconnected globally. They are non-human, but they interact with the human leaders of the world, and, uh, and that's just their paradigm. That's do, how do they, they uh, understand life. Do they look like us? <clears throat> yeah, they say actually they're they're like uh, um, actually they they're like Pizarro who conquered, which is why which is why it was so easy for for the Incan ruler at the time to acquiesce because they had prophecies of this Veracocha, this race, this race coming back to rule and reign, and that the era, the time of the Incan, would be over when they appeared. So here comes a pasty, blonde-haired, blue-eyed old guy with a big old beard that completely stands against everything, obviously, uh, of their culture, right, and their phenotypic expression down there in Peru. And they said, this is the fulfillment, this is the fulfillment of our long-awaited prophecy. So they easily acquiesced to Pizarro. So people go, how in the world did Pizarro, with a ragtag, starving, malaria, disease-based, uh, a group of miscreants, which they were, they, they were like the criminal rejects. He had to put together this band of married men to go take through 200 of them, conquered the greatest empire and civilization of the known world at that time. How did they do it? Well, it's because there was layers of, of supernatural things that were occurring at that exact time in Peru. So why do I say all this? I'm not saying... I'm telling, I'm telling the listeners that this is what they say. This is what the Peruvians say. This is what the mystics and the shamans say, okay? Uh, this isn't what Jamie Wallen is saying. I'm just regurgitating the data. And actually, Tim Alvarino is, is truly, truly uh, 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 just an unbelievably well-versed researcher in all these things. And I'm sure he would make all kinds of, of uh, corrections on my, on my information, which is awesome because we want to get it right. But... But this is all, it's all connected to this, this, uh, uh, basically this, they, they call them like the, the elder race, right? This, this Barakosha, this elder race that, 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 that rule and reign humanity from inside the earth. So, so now knowing what we know and studying what we've studied, right, on, on, on the fringes of, of our corporal reality, uh, we see and we hear tinges of this from all other manner of circles of the mystery religions, of occultism, of our global elites, right, of, of the Club of Rome and the League of 300 and these other elite societies that they themselves are in contact with some uh, otherworldly uh, supernatural beings. I don't, I don't know what to call them. And, and that they actually act as the guides of humanity, we'll call it. But what, what's fascinating is every single culture in the world all throughout history says the same exact thing. That's what's fascinating, is there's a global collective. There's a global collective that transcends time, it transcends borders, it transcends oceans, it transcends languages, everything. It is the same exact narrative over and over and over again, which is also why 
we have the the real time evidence of this because there's uh, a global collective of building techniques all over the globe at the same time. You have the same pyramids, the same megalithic structures, the same deep underground structures, the same types of advanced technologies existing over the entire face of the earth at the exact same time. Where did it come from? And 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 really, what is the end game? And in our generation, how is that relevant to us right now and in, in the here and now? That's a really, really good question. Do you have any idea what the goals of these entities are? Ulterior motives? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I come at it from a biblical real view. For, so, so for me, it's simple. For other people, they think that's oversimplifying it, but I come at it from a biblical worldview. I mean, I mean, it, it is not hard for me when, when I hear these things coming from a secular, from a mystic, from an occultic, from a mystery religion perspective, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I totally believe you. I, I mean, I'm, I'm told in Scripture that, that, that these, these powers of darkness masquerade as ministers of righteousness, as angels of light. We're told that, that Satan is the prince of the powers of the air. I know that there's things preserved in the earth for the day of judgment. I mean... We're foretold that in the end times, men's hearts will fail them for what they see coming up onto the earth, right? We know that an angel descends to the pit, into the earth, and looses Apollyon <clears throat> and Abaddon, and, and, and actually these hordes of, mil, uh, of, of what would be like militaristic martial hordes that are inside the earth, right? We, we know about the, the armies in Joel, and we know about the armies in, in, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and on through, through Revelation, and we also know that, that there is we we know it, it's evidentiary and provable uh, uh, what's being done with our our top tier scientists in the black physics and and in the and in the biotech interface and and with these there's there's this synergistic effort by things seen and unseen by things tangible and intangible and they're all working towards the same same end state. So for me, I go, yeah. I mean, I'm. I, I, I study the word, I devour the word, I read the word, I trust it, I trust the Lord, I know the Lord. Everything is about my identity in Christ Jesus, and, and, and it's about his word. So, so uh, yeah, I, I'm not dismissive of any of it, although we need to be cautious, right? We need to do our due diligence when we're disseminating uh, very strange information, to say the least, but it's not, it's not hard for me at all with a sound biblical doctrine to know and understand uh, that this stuff has legitimacy to it, not only legitimacy to it, but we know the end game. We absolutely know the end game. Are these the fallen angels spoken about in Genesis? Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to say that outright because there's so many different layers, right? You have thrones, you have principalities, you have rulers, uh, you have authorities. You do have the fallen angels themselves. You also have progeny of fallen angels. You know, I mean, I mean, there's there's any manner of of degrees. Again, that, that we're really limited in our understanding, uh, but they're definitely all overlap. They all rhyme. So, so can I say, hey, the Varicosha or what's going on, the secret of the Andes is, is the fallen angels? I can't say that for certainty. But what I can say is that they are absolutely nefarious. I can say they're absolutely not of God, and I can absolutely say that they're in open enmity towards uh, truth, light, goodness, righteousness, holiness, justice, uh, love, mercy, right, compassion, all these attributes of, of God and his kingdom, they stand in, in diametrically opposed to it. So I can say that with the utmost confidence. 
I mean, I mean, this even go, this even gets into UFO tech. And again, this this isn't my background, right? This isn't my this is by no means my field of expertise. I'm just speaking from what I what I've experienced as boots on the ground. This is not my area of expertise. This isn't what I study and research. I study and research the word. I preach the word. I teach the word, and I teach uh, 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 practical, tactical, and survival stuff. That's what I do. You know, that's my background. However, because of that skill set, it's allowed me to be a part of things that are that are outside my scope of practice and to have uh, a deep affinity for researching and knowing and understanding it because I realize the importance of it and the validity of it and, and the and the immediacy of our need to know and understand it in this generation because it's all breaking out on the scene, you know? Um, this is just incredible. I vote for Fallen Angel, but, you know, we, I don't want to get hung up on semantics. Um, let me ask you a question here. My, by, by just background, a lot of people know this about me. My dad worked in unraveling uh, hidden physics from Nazi scientists and you know, went into the secret space program, never went into NASA. And as my dad was revealing these things to me in the last two years of his life, he told me, once I tell you about Peru, you can never go there. Do you have any idea why he would issue such a warning? Because I never got a real good explanation. No, that is fascinating <clears throat> that of all places, of all things to be concerned about, uh, once he, he was willing to, to divulge you know, some of the information that he was privy to, uh, that of all things, it was Peru was was the warning. Peru and Argentina, and we know that that's where the Nazis, a lot of them escaped to. So that part made sense to me. Yeah. But the Peruvian thing, and as I'm hearing you unravel these stories about Peru and what could possibly be underground there in Peru, them, where they rule from, it's interesting. Now, are you telling me that these beings travel away from their enclaves in Peru and they go to other parts of the world, or do other parts of the world, in terms of leadership, come to them? That's, I mean, I mean, that's that's the the we'll call it informed speculation. Is that it's not necessarily that Peru is the end all be all. Again, I'm just sharing with you what what we learned as boots on the ground, uh, you know. And but the what what is telling is that it's seemingly as if there's a an interconnectability to the globe through underground structures um you know there there's a lot of different places a lot of different entrances on the on on the earth that are that are highly uh, revered by the shamans and the mystics and the and the uh and the uh, the occultic practices that are passed down from generation to generation in the different faces of the globe so so it, it, it is it is a there's a bigger narrative here there's a much larger narrative uh, that, that we can only see through a glass dimly uh, to seek to discern. But what's fascinating, as, as we were foretold in Daniel, is that during the time of the end, you know, knowledge is going to increase. Not just knowledge of those that have nefarious uh, uh, end games, but our knowledge is increasing. I mean, we're, we're learning things and piecing things together from ancient history, uh, 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 from even, from even um, pre, pre-human history, from prehistory, that we've never been able to piece together again. So our knowledge is increasing at the same time as, as the bad guys are as well. And so we're, we're, we're kind of, like I said, seeing through a glass dimly trying to piece these things together. But what is fascinating, and again, I don't know the connection to this, and I'm, I'm not a ufologist by any means, but in every single place that we 
studied and researched uh, uh, with intentionality, there was an automatic UFO connection to every single place, which is absolutely strange to me. We were told very specifically in different places, do not go over that range or XYZ craft is going to come up and protect it and it will drive you off. Don't go over there because XYZ uh, uh, creatures guard that area and they're half human, half bad things and they only ever want to do bad things. Don't go that way. Don't go this way. And, uh, and in every case, it was, it was always related to, to, both, to both some sort of uh, vile entity and or uh, UFO which is fascinating because we were down in, uh, uh, we spent most of the time when we were based out of the, the Atacama, which is the driest place on the earth, right down there in the desert, and Paracas, which is near the Nazca lines, and obviously uh, the, the world-famous Paracan skulls, the elongated skulls, that were not headboarded. They were not cranial headboarded. They were actually genetically, they were in that womb. They, they found... Uh, mummified remains in the in the in the urns, right in these burial urns, with elongated skull babies still in the womb of the mother. It has nothing to do with cranial headboarding. The reason why other cultures in the world started cranial headboarding was to mimic the super elite uh, humanoid creatures that were naturally born that way. Which is why you see the Pope wearing the hat that he wears, and why you see the pharaohs wearing the hat that they wear. You look to the Far East and, and Asia and Japan and their pictographs and their ancient paintings, they were elongating their skulls. You go down to Central and South America, you come up in the Mesoamerica, and the Native Americans throughout the Four Corners region were all headboarding, doing cranial deformation, trying to make their heads look elongated. Why? Because that's what the ruling elite class of the whole globe looked like, and they were mimicking it. What about, so again, e- what about there's Egypt? A lot, there's don't, a lot of layers to all this stuff. Don't we see the same thing in Egypt? Oh, absolutely, in Egypt. Yeah, again, it transcends borders, cultures, and time. It is, and I, I, I don't want to overuse the word, but I will, because <laughs> there's no other way to say it, right? It's a global collective. It's a global collective. It, it, it was unified. It was unified in some way, even genetically unified in some way. And then it all ceased to exist at the exact same time, and all the technologies were lost at the exact same time. And, and here's, you know, again, coming at it from a biblical worldview, uh, when we were in Paracas, you know, we're in this desert wasteland, and it's, and it's all salt flats. I mean, it is, it is I, I, I think it's considered the second driest or driest place on the earth. And somehow there was these thriving, thriving mega civilizations down there uh, with pyramidal structures and elongated skulls and giant orbit eyes. We, we, we found structures where it looks like the, the majority of the civilizations were living underground, which would explain why they had giant eyes. It was almost like they, they needed, uh, we'll say it was a phenotype expression for night vision, right? Uh, that, that's the speculation looking at, at their abodes, that, which, by the way, the Peruvian ministry of culture has destroyed most of them, erased this history of the Paracan people. But what was fascinating to me is we're, we're studying this and we're talking with different archaeologists, right? And we're, and we're, and we're talking with, with uh, different anthropologists down there. And they're saying, oh, no, no, no. No, this wasn't desert wasteland salt flats. At one time, it was a teeming, vibrant, lush, almost Garden of Eden type thing. And, and these, this Paracan people and people and civilizations uh, before them with elongated skulls rule and reign in this area. That's, it could sustain population. It was it was this beautiful lush area, and, and, and I'm going, I'm listening to the archaeologists down there as we're investigating stuff, and I'm going, well, 
it seems really strange to me, unless, unless, you know, I believe in global warming, which I don't, that this place was that lush just a, a few short centuries ago, you know, and now it's this desert wasteland and it's covered in salt. The only way that could be possible is the judgment of God, because I see all throughout Scripture when he comes against wicked nations, including the Canaanitic, right, the Canaanitic, which have been, which have been descendants of, of, of these, these fallen ones. They would have had the, the genetic markers from these fallen ones that were so lawless against the Lord Most High. He says, I'm going to turn your land into a desert wasteland and salt the earth so that nothing could ever grow there again. So here I am standing in Peru holding elongated skulls in the second driest place in the world going, oh, my goodness. The Lord passed judgment on this people for whatever they were doing and whoever they were and whatever they were because they were not his. They were not his creation. So that's a side note. No, I don't think it's a side note. I think it's right down the heart of what we're talking about. I think it's well identified. Let me go out on a limb, and and if it's a worthless trip, I understand. But I, you know, have had some uh, encounters with Richard Hoagland, who I think did fascinating work with the Cydonia region on Mars. And if you accept that those lights and shadows as identified Cydonia by NASA that are at 45 and 90 degree angles, and nature doesn't work that way, are actually structures. When you overlay Cydonia to Giza, they match. I've seen the demonstration. Um, well, actually, Cairo translated means Camp of Mars. So mm-hmm. Cairo, Egypt, literally means Camp of Mars, and it's an exact mirror of of what their uh, the the grainy, crummy pictures that that NASA's releasing. Never a straight answer. Exactly. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, one of the things that I want to ask you along those lines: you connected dots between various civilizations emanating out of Peru to different locations, and I asked the Egypt question, and you answered the affirmative. Does it also apply to Cydonia on Mars? Um, I believe so, you know, and I believe that there's evidence to support that. And again, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to make apologies for having a biblical worldview to anybody, but we see that in the scriptures, right? We talk about uh, Lucifer and, and being the prince of the power of the heirs, right? And they talk about the stars, the stars which are often referring to what would be called the sons of God, which were which a third of them were rebels, right? You have rebellious sons of God, and you talk about the abode, and though you set your nest among the stars. So when we go through the scriptures, we see that there is something distinctly unique about our cosmos, right? Our planetary systems, and 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 uh, you know it definitely alludes with very strong evidence, uh, almost irrefutable evidence that that is the case. Um, you know. Obviously, Steve Quayle and others have, have done amazing research into the aspects of, of Rahab, who was, what, you know, Scripture talks about planet Rahab being shattered to pieces. Well, lo and behold, you know, we have the asteroid belt, where by Bode's law, you know, there's, there's perfect mathematical laws that exist in, even throughout the universe and the cosmos. And by Bode's law, there should be a planet, right, where there's uh, a, an asteroid belt, and it talks about the planet Rehab being, being shattered to pieces. The ancients speak about it. The ancients speak about an all-powerful God who would destroy planets, who would do things in the cosmos when, when the rebel factions would arise against his kingdom. Sound familiar? I mean, that's what we have from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. So why is this relevant? 
Well, because it all comes to a head full circle uh, in the end of times, in the last generation, which I truly believe we have entered into. How, how long that is, I don't know. When does it all shake out? I don't know. But uh, we definitely can see and know and understand that, that the leaves are beginning to bud on the fig tree. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I've heard the story about the planet, you know, that used to be, uh, or it is now the asteroid belt. And I think, doesn't that get into the legend of the Brahmastra and the exotic weapons that came out of India? Yep, it does. And and not only that, but we also have, uh, now I can't think of the name of it, but they're, they find a, a, a radioactive nuclear material on these other planets. Uh, they Just the same as what they find at, at Los Alamos after they detonate you know, nuclear weapons on the sand. So again, here, here's, here's what the end game is. There's nothing new under the sun, right? You have Oppenheimer saying that a spirit guide came and downloaded to him the mathematics that he needed to make that nuclear weapon. I don't know if most people are familiar with that. He says it in his own writing, primary source, right? Uh, uh, that a spirit guide came and gave him what he needed to do to be able to build that nuclear weapon. Listen, there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. These technologies, right, uh, uh, Wi-Fi, you know, are, are like a global web, a worldwide web, a, a control grid, these power sources, uh, directed energy weapons, ELF, EMF, waveform type stuff, uh, this, this global hive mind, the, the chimeric manipulations of, of our genetics and of our biology. There is absolutely nothing new under the sun. In fact, what can easily be said is that we are never, ever discovering new technology we're only ever rediscovering ancient technology. We're not. We're not. We're not building technologies in secret labs that are a hundred years in the future. We're building technologies in secret labs that are ten thousand years in the past. That's the reality of the world around us that nobody wants to deal with and nobody has answers for. Hmm. I, I, let me just think out loud, and it'll sound silly. I'm wondering when these uh, Peruvian um, mysterious entities go out among the planet and interact with world leaders you wonder if they use a stargate and i'm just musing out loud when i say that but when you're sure. talking this is what it puts me in the mind of that kind of technology yeah and, and we we know that um there's viability to to the whole concept of stargates we know mathematically through physics that that there's viability to stargates we know that scripture the bible talks about stargates all throughout it all throughout the scriptures it references different gateways and gates and the comings and goings and and uh and 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 even this aspect of of what would be considered uh we don't understand it but teleportation right that's why when people go oh the bible oh it's so antiquated i'm like have you ever read it do you know what's in it it literally speaks to every single aspect of your reality even the strangest most radical thing you can think of it is mentioned in Scripture. There is absolutely nothing in there that it doesn't specifically speak to. So I would say absolutely. Uh, what's interesting about the, you know, it's it's very cursory. My understanding of the Varicosha and, and the, this this what would be considered an elder race is uh, in in the Andes is, is very cursory. And I I know that I can't ever do it justice. But the way I understand it is is that it is almost like a a council, right? It's a, it's a council. Uh, which is fascinating because again we see that in scripture about about the council the council of the gods little g that gather together to to make decisions and uh, and and the whole world truly does lie in the evil one right I mean I mean we forfeited dominion in the Garden of Eden as Christ Jesus who won back 
you know, when he when he took the fight to the enemy, right, into Sheol and took back the keys to death in the grave and has risen again victorious and seated at the right hand of the Father right now. Hey, here's a, here's here's the true and trustworthy saying. He's not going to re- be remaining seated there forevermore. He's actually soon, I believe, going to arise and ride out. His name is Faithful and True, and he's right now to make war. And the, and the, and the, and the legions upon legions of the heavens armies, the faithful ones, the obedient ones, the zealous ones, the valorous and gallant ones who have not soiled themselves in rebellion and insurrection and insurgency are going to be coming back with them. Uh, that's an awesome hope for those with ears to hear. Wow. All i got to say is wow and wow on top of that because you're connecting a lot of dots for me. You really are. Uh, does the number or the, the distance in time and history, if I were to say 17,500 years ago, does that have any relevance for you in this? No, no, it doesn't ring a bell in any okay. way in particular. Okay, it, it, it's where supposedly the uh, the pyramids on the Earth all line up to the constellation Orion at the same time at the equinox and the solstice. And um, kind yeah, of gives and, you a clue to how old is, they are. Sure, yeah, and that, and again, that is, that is uh, 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 validated by mathematics, advanced mathematics, especially now with how they're able to utilize uh, these these different AI um, algorithms that can look back and they can look into the future and know exactly where and what alignments are because it because everything is perfectly ordered. Why? Because it, there's because there's a divine creator. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Lord God Almighty, uh, uh, God in heaven, and it is orderly. And so that's why mathematics do work every single time no matter what because it's perfect order which is what this these these luciferian elites want to do is destroy everything that's orderly they want chaos right they want tumult they want disorder they want they want darkness not light they want uh the the human resonance of the earth to be changed so, so that it's no longer in harmonic resonance with the rest of creation around it right they want they want boys and girls to trade their idea of what gender is they want to jack up your 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 DNA and your RNA through through ELF and EMF frequencies. Everything is about creating disorder because God is a God of order and of love and of light. So anything that stands in up for that or in the way of that, they are going to violently uproot and tear down. That is a certainty. So this is satanic, uh, without question, and. Um, well, to me, the entities are that, but I mean, I suppose we could debate that later. But let, let, let me get into another aspect of this. Uh, do you think Peru, these entities in Peru, will fa- factor into the end times? And do we have any scripture that validates that? Um, I I couldn't. There, there's nothing that would validate Peru in particular. Um, but we do know and understand that that there there are going to be things that begin to occur throughout the dispensation of the end times, right? The time of the end times, the age of the end that are outside what our paradigm has been. Now I say what our paradigm has been because to the ancient world, to the ancient civilizations, this would not be any news to them. They would not bat an eye at it. When they, when they, when they talked about idols or God judging the gods of Egypt, they're like, Oh yeah, we know those guys. They, they weren't sacrificing children to wooden sticks and stones. They were sacrificing to the real entities that walked among them who they knew and understood as supernatural beings with supernatural powers that were 
20 times, 50 times bigger than them that had cerebral capabilities we couldn't understand. They were sacrificing their children to those entities that they knew. All the mythos of Greek and Roman and Babylonian and Phoenician and, and Canaanitic and, and Sumerian, go through the list of ancient civilizations. They were real. These, these, you, you see it in the pictographs. You see it in the hieroglyphs. Right? You see it in, in, in the ancient writings and, and in the Sanskrit. You see it in, in India with the, the Viamana. You see it in every single culture. They are describing the same exact entities. They did the same exact things. They had the same exact roles, and they always required the same exact thing from the people. You know what it was? It was licentiousness, and it was blood. And, and in particular, the blood of children. Every single civilization in the world at the exact same time. You know, it's interesting that it seems like the modern-day child sex trafficking is an outgrowth of this. Doesn't it? And, and, and is, isn't it interesting that, that under the Obama administration, it was mandated as a part of our foreign policy that you enact a, uh, a, a, a national abortion policy to receive aid from us, from USAID? Isn't that, isn't that interesting that, that you have China, who's, who, who knows what the numbers are? They're saying 338 million aborted babies in China under their one-child policy, and in the U.S. we're pushing 70 million aborted babies. Isn't it interesting that you have now in, in Sweden and Finland the push for infanticide and euthanasia? I, I mean, I remember reading an article several years ago where, where they were openly playing with the idea of allowing you to euthanize a child up to age four. So listen, there is nothing new under the sun. That's what's so disturbing. The only thing that's disturbing is the wool that's been pulled over the eyes of the general populace where they poo-poo this stuff and they treat it as, as, as if a, a guy like you or I are a pariah when it's literally just straight-up history and fact. It's, it's never changed. There's nothing new under the sun. You just haven't heard it in a long time for, for either you're the, the proverbial ostrich in the sand who tramples on your, on your own eggs and, and you labor in vain, like Scripture says, or, uh, or you're you willfully succumb to uh, like a Pavlovian dog cognitive dissonance type of uh, type of response to the world around you. Uh, but the bottom line is, if you even do 20 minutes of research into both our our, our present status uh, economically, biologically, technologically, uh, spiritually, and you do 20 minutes of research in our far ancient past, you'll see that they are exact mirror representations of one another. Yeah, well, like I said, I can see the outgrowth of a lot of these criminal behaviors coming right out of this philosophy. So when uh, Satan and the fallen angels came here, watch out. This might interest you to know this. Uh, Vance Davis, formerly of the NSA, is a very good friend of mine. And in my first conversation I ever had with Vance back in 1993, he told me as part of his NSA training that they were taught that out there in the cosmos there's been a war going on forever and that the bad guys lost, meaning Satan and his fallen angels, they came to Earth, and he said that they wanted to get back at God by stealing the human soul, but they couldn't crack the code. Now, I'm using my euphemisms, not his. And then he went on sure. to say, so they tried to morph human beings. This is in 1993 before the word transhumanism ever came into vogue, yet that's what Vance was describing was part of his NSA training going back to 1990. I thought you might find that interesting. It well, it, it is interesting, and this idea of transhumanism, and we'll call them synths, right, synthetics, uh, the ability to to create in a lab what would be 
uh, human by all definitions of the word, except devoid of a soul, right? Because God is, is the only one who can create. This goes back to, again, the ancients. Why were they, what, why was multiplication a practice? And again, it wasn't just Egypt. I, I'll say it again, global collective. Every culture in the world was doing that at the exact same time. Mummification, why? Because they knew and understood the ability to regenerate through genetics, through DNA, through manipulation. And, and in their, uh, we'll call it mythos, and the mythos of a lot of these ancient cultures, they were awaiting the day where, where the dead, their dead at that time, would be resurrected because they were promised it by their progenitors, by their, by their overlords at that time, that there was going to come a day where they would be able to resurrect these things. Listen, that's the whole focus of the occult and their worship of Nimrod. That's why you have the phallic symbol of Nimrod as our largest monument in the United States. It's at St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican. It's what the Eiffel Tower represents. It's what's in ancient Egypt, and it's in, what, it's in every other major supercenter of the world is that obelisk, which is, which is a representative of the phallic symbol of Nimrod. Why? Because, again, scripturally, Nimrod became Gibberim. He was fully man and somehow through, we'll say, <clears throat> sorry, quote-unquote transhumanism means was able to become more than human, H+, plus, which is exactly what they're saying right now in this generation. Is that why they're trying to introduce things like 97 genders and trying to confuse the whole issue of male-female? Well, it's interesting. Again, that goes to the mystery religions, too. If you look at the uh, the statues of Fulment and a lot of the other occultic practices, they are androgynous. Uh, uh, the the Church of Satan worships androgyny, right? So, you, so why? Why do they worship androgyny? Because, again, God created male and female. They hate it. It is warfare. And Genesis three fifteen says, "I, you know, after the fall, he says, I will put warfare between the seed of the serpent." Oh, so that means the serpent, right? Which, which was a nakash, which was a seraphim, which was a winged plume serpent, which is Quetzalcoatl, which is a maru, maruka. Amaru Maru, which is America is named after, same entity all throughout time, every culture, these, these winged plume serpents, right? So that, so that the cash, the seraphim in the garden, he says, I'm going to put warfare between your seed, so that means they have some kind of seed or offspring, and between the seed of the woman. But listen, here's the good news. That seed of the woman is going to crush your head. You're only ever going to bruise his heel. That is Jesus Christ, the coming conquering king, which was done at Calvary, right? So, so everything has been focused on the genetic corruption and manipulation of humanity, and it happened in the ancient days, which is why the flood came, and now it is coming full circle. Hence, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man. you got to remember back in the days of Noah, it says, and all flesh was corrupted in those days. All flesh can be broken down through the different translations to mean uh, uh, genetic wholeness. So all genetic wholeness was corrupted in those days. So what do you have in the end times narrative? It says, unless Christ shortened the days, there'd be no flesh left alive. Again, how do you work that out through the translations? There would be no one genetically whole left to be saved. Same thing again. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. As it coming in some man, it's cyclical, right? We know that through Ecclesiastes. Scripture, the world around us, is cyclical. It's not linear. As it was before, so shall it be again. There's a time, and it, and it, and it comes in a, in a cycle. And we're at the precipice of these things breaking back out. Uh, why are they breaking back out? Because humanity 
has been given the full revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been given the full word. We've been given his promised Holy Spirit. And, and though we, we flourished in different cultures and civilizations and people groups have flourished because of that for a time, ultimately, by and large, again, this is a generalized statement, uh, especially, it's a, and it's a very Western-centric statement, I know and understand that, that by and large we have rejected the King of Glory once again, and we've reduced him into our own image, and we've made him out to be something he's not, and it says that the man of lawlessness, the man of perdition, the Antichrist, cannot come unto the scene until the great apostasia occurs first. That is, the great falling away from the faith, from the true faith of Jesus Christ. So the only thing restraining all this stuff is supposed to be the Church of Jesus Christ. The Church of Jesus Christ globally. So as we fail, as the way of truth comes into disrepute, as we refuse to tolerate sound doctrines, as we have the form of godliness but deny its power thereof, as we're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, as we take offense to his word, even as quote-unquote Christians who are in church every week, as we reject the teachings of, of, of men who, who stand on the righteousness and the holiness and the authenticity of Scripture, as we reject this, it's an inverse relationship. The Antichrist and the powers of darkness are empowered by our acquiescing and, and, and forfeiting of the wonderful things of the Lord that he's given us through his Son, through his word and through his Holy Spirit. That's really well said. And and uh, it just really puts everything into perspective as to what's coming. Uh, just one more sidebar question here. When I first met Vance, at the same time I was approached by the grandson of a Hopi elder. And he said a couple of things I want to run by you in the spirit of what you've presented. He said that uh, there have been four past civilizations and this is the fifth and final so I would believe the Hopis, and I'm just guessing here, would think that uh, the final judgment's coming, the return of Jesus. Uh, are you familiar at all with the Hopi prophecies along these lines? Yes, I am. Actually, Hopi prophecies are are very, they, they definitely rhyme with biblical scripture. I'm not saying that they have, they are scripture at all for, for anybody that wants to send me a nasty gram, but, but they... they uh, they rhyme. They're, they're in tune to things because the Lord has revealed that to people. Uh, he's promised it in Romans 1 that he's revealed himself so that no man's without an excuse. So, yeah, sorry. Go on. No, I, the, you, you just nailed it perfectly. And this came at a time when Vance was walking me around downtown Phoenix and say, see that under there? Uh, you go down a couple of miles, there's technology that's over 20,000 years old and we can't access it because it's bio-specific and we haven't cracked it yet. And he said that's why they built the federal center there. And I also got some insight from that from a member of the Phoenix City Council that was part of that deal. And uh, I got that. And then also the, this kid of the Hopi tribe confirmed the same thing. He called the group the Searcherin. Um, are you familiar with that hmm. Hopi term at all? No, I'm not familiar with that, that term, but I am familiar with with many of the Hopi mythos, not just the, the, the Hopi, but it moves out, you know, through the Anastasi and the four, or the, right. the, and sorry, I said that wrong, but from the four corners region out West. And then, and then you can move from West to East in the same narrative is getting picked up through all the different people groups uh, of the native Americans over the course of time. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, we're almost out of time and we got about 30 seconds to promote this great conference that you're going to be a part of with Mike and Jeannie, uh, the Watchmen Conference. Talk about that and tell people how they can be a part of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they hear the Washington Conference is coming up, actually, uh, uh, not this coming weekend, but next weekend in Dallas, Texas. is a great conference, many great speakers. There's only about 40 tickets left, uh, but live stream is available. If you use a promotion code JAMIE20, uh, you can get 20% or $20. It depends on if you're doing live stream or getting a ticket off your ticket price. Uh, there's uh, myself and Paul McGuire and Pastor Paul Bagley and, and wow. Coach Dave Dobbemeyer and, and – uh, and uh, a whole host of great speakers. I'm so sorry I don't have it up in front of me right now. That's okay. Uh, I know Derek and Sharon are going to be Derek and Sharon Gilbert are going to be down there speaking. Uh, uh, Josh Tolley. It's a, it's an awesome wow. lineup. And what the goal what the goal is the goal is to strengthen and equip those with ears to hear for the days exactly. ahead. Exactly. This isn't a conference about the latest greatest intel. This is this is a this is the chance for people to gather, to be refreshed, to be strengthened, to be encouraged, and to be prepared to be among those of whom it is said they know their God, they are strong, they will do exploits because of the Lord in them and out through them. So that's, that's fantastic. Well, we are right up against the end. I want to thank you for joining us. This went far too quick, and I hope I can have you on again. And people, I'll put uh, posting data on my website at thecommonsenseshow.com. And thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And uh, Jamie, fantastic stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. It's been a pleasure. Yep.